You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. You know, Mary, the president has a way of like spinning stories that he'd like. And among them is uh, climate change and everything. That's that's a hoax. Uh, it's something libtards have come up with to uh, just try and take away our gas wells and our, our automobiles. But you know the awful thing about spinning these stories the way he does? Someday, California and Washington and Oregon actually catch on fire like it really happens it's the same thing as uh, the virus isn't it he can spin stories but someday there's a reality and you have to face it yeah and it's funny that I think we've all thought think about the uh, climate change issue which has been a part of our entire adult lives but it always seems so far in the future. And that's how we talked, even people who believe in climate change, like we got time. And what it seems like this year, more than any other time that I can remember, is not only don't we have time, we're living the horror that was predicted 30 years, 40 years ago. Yeah, we've come to the year now. Yes, and when you see the, see the pictures from the West Coast, and this is just the fire thing because we haven't even talked about the hurricane stuff yet. And, and this is just in the United States. The rest of the world is suffering their own version of it. Um, you realize that basically our news coverage for the next 30 years is going to be nothing but climate-related disasters. Absolutely. And we've known it was coming. We knew it was coming. We knew we were going to face it. And not only did we do nothing, we went backward. Uh, the Paris Accord, I never thought was a very satisfactory solution, but it was sure better than nothing. And Donald Trump took us out of the Paris Accord. You know, one thing after another, he has moved us backwards, I guess because he didn't want us to panic, don't you think? <laughs> I know, he doesn't like panicking, that's for sure. But I mean, I think that's part of it. But I, I suspect this is yet another thing that he doesn't have a deeply held belief on. And he knew or made the assumption that he had to take the hoax position uh, to get to his base. Because if you remember, and I think we talked about this last week, a big part of the 2016 election was save our coal jobs. Yep. And so that was all plus he loves a hoax yeah i mean i've never met a person so surrounded by hoax and hoaxers than trump it's crazy yeah you're absolutely i i guess you know besides criticizing trump we ought to talk kind of seriously on it and i i teach a class in morality and ethics and one of the units i teach is about the environment and about climate and about climate change and i'll tell you the truth i struggle Every time I teach it, as I come to the end, on what am I telling my students? What am I telling myself? 
I should do about this. I get the problem, but you know, there's like two worlds. Uh, do we affect huge policy changes? I can't do that. I mean, I can vote. Do we affect small changes in our lives? Do those really add up to be meaningful at all? Do you ever feel like that, like kind of helpless in the face of this climate yeah. change? I give you a great example of there was a long article, I think it was in the New Yorker, this, I don't know, I, th I think I sent it to you, and it was about plastic and recycling plastic. And it was so interesting because we all dutifully recycle plastic. And some time ago, 10 some years ago, the industry um, started putting those, you know how that little triangle yep. with the arrows in it? Yep on everything. And then there are numbers like one, the most recyclable and all the way down. But we were never educated on what they were. So we throw all that stuff in the recycling part of our trash. But most of that stuff is not only not recyclable, but it is made recycling absolutely uh, not viable because there's so much separating and cleaning and all that. And the industry knew that. But at the same time, if you'll remember, there were ads on television with like, oh, I used to be a shampoo bottle and now I'm a brush. And so the, the gas industry did that, right? Because plastic is made from fossil fuels to get people to think they were doing something so that the fossil fuel industry could continue to contaminate the world with plastics. Rather than, as I was reading it, thinking, well, if fossil fuels really wants to keep making plastic, they're making all kinds of money. Why aren't they running recycling? Yeah, you're absolutely because right. And we had to confess, you've never been involved with it, but plastics is kind of a family business for the Paulettes. That's a little embarrassing, but our dad was involved in selling it. We've got a couple of siblings. I was involved in it at one point. So we know this industry a little bit. And... What you're saying, what the article said, was exactly right. I, without going too much in the weeds here, when we were making like plastic bags or plastic film of different sorts, you always had a certain amount of scrap in your plant. And you would chop it back up, put it back in the bin, and run it back through. It's, it's just plastic pellets melted again. And so the plastic company said, man, we're recycling. It's the same scrap we've been putting in there for years, but we're recycling. And I remember us printing on boxes made with 20% recycled material. Not only that, <laughs> I, forget, I went to a meeting once of a group called the Plastic Bag Association. It's really creepy that that really exists, right? And the Plastic Bag Association was launching a campaign to convince people that what was environmentally bad were brown paper bags. They were awful because you couldn't recycle them. They went in a landfill. Well, of course, as you're saying, so did the plastic bag. And the plastic bag is going to last for generations, generations and generations. And they're all going into the landfill. The industry was tremendously cynical about it. But so interesting, to so go back to your question, I think we can do the little things that we can do. 
But the big impact is ultimately going to be regulated by government because government could have had the fossil fuel industry fund the recycling segment of the society, or government could do that, could fund that. A private business cannot afford to fund recycling. You know, what changes have been made to automobiles over the last 30 years in terms of emissions, that was through government. And if you remember when Trump came in, he wanted to do away with the emission standards. And the car companies were like, no, we're not going to do that because this was the right thing for us to do. And it'll save the industry. You're not going to continue to make fossil uh, gas guzzling cars if people are going to quit buying them. Absolutely. Because we individually want to make choices that help this situation. Well, and there's another dynamic to it. I did not get to hear all of it, but when I grabbed lunch, uh, I was able to hear a little bit of Joe Biden talking about climate and environmental. And of course, one of his uh, platforms, I guess, one of his planks in his plan is to work to convert the automobile industry. He always points out that he and Barack Obama helped to save them in 2000. 2008, he said, we need to convert them to a uh, zero carbon uh, industry, electric cars, all those kinds of things. Now, that may be because you and I would like to make those choices. But you know the other reality? The world's going to go there. The Chinese are going to make those cars. The Europeans are going to make those cars. And we can sit in the United States and say, we really like a great big uh, rear wheel gas guzzling sedan. And that's the kind of car we like. And these are the, this is the industries we like. Great. You know, we thought that before the Japanese cars took over here. I, I worked for the Goodyear Tired Rubber Company. I know when I was there that people at Goodyear said, no, Americans don't like radial tires. Americans don't like all-season tires. They like what we make, great big uh, winter tires. That wasn't true. And as we sat there and watched it, Michelin, Bridgestone, those companies simply took that market over. That could happen again. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. You talk about, so back in the 70s when, um, you know, there were the problems with the gas, the oil embargo and all that. And we started driving smaller and smaller cars. Actually, that's when Honda and Toyota really got into the market here. And then, you know, what was the change? The change was 1980 and morning in America and, you know, Reagan being elected and we're not going to, we don't have to drive those little cars anymore. You know, we're Americans, like you say, we can drive big pickup trucks. It's not the... Americans won't change their behavior. They will change their behavior, but they have to be both incentivized and required. And I think one of the things that we will find after these four years is we have gone backwards because our mind has changed about things. We were moving in one direction, at least some people were, and Trump said, ah, that's a bunch of hooey. But I did hear today, which I did not understand, that the way the Paris Climate um, Treaty was written is if 
Trump gets elected again, then it's over. We're out. But there was a fail safe built into it. It's almost as if they knew something like this could happen. And if Biden wins, he can get us back in. Well, and I was thinking this as you were describing on the pickup trucks or whatever. I can hear somebody on the nightly news say, I have a right to drive this pickup truck and nobody can take that right away from me. I mean, that's the same thing we've heard on masks, on so many different things. As an American, I have that right. Great. And you exercising that right has been part of setting the West Coast of the United States on fire. That's what you've done. Until we come to the point, I think, of recognizing that we have a common responsibility, not only as the United States, but a common responsibility as the planet Earth and get past this idea that I'm Rand Paul and I can have a pickup truck and I can have guns if I want to. I can have anything I want to do. I, I don't know how we solve climate change. So if you go back to your morality thing and, and also in terms of a, a theology, you know, this is a planet that God has given us. We have an obligation to protect it. So I think this is where religious leaders could really make a difference in terms of changing people's minds. And that's just something to think about as we go forward. Because we will talk about this, John, again and again and again. It ain't going anywhere. No, and I do have to note before we leave, uh, it is also uh, a difficult hurricane time. And one of the tropical storms, I don't know if it's a hurricane yet, out in the Atlantic is named... Paulette, which yes. is my name and, of course, your maiden name, your birth name. Uh, the only thing is they spelled it like the first name, uh, and they put an E on the end of it. So it's not really us, I guess. Yeah, but it is, you know, nothing like a Paulette storm. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> three times today in meetings, I've said, I'm coming through like Hurricane Paulette. <laughs> <laughs> You're so weird. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.